0: Some days are terrible, you wish that you were dead, and some days are magical, like grape banana bread. Someday we'll be friends with the voices in our heads, the voices in our heads. Hi, everyone. Hi. You okay? How you doing? You good? It'll be fine. Or it won't. And, you know, welcome to another episode of The Voices in Our Heads. I'm your girl, Christina Marie Hutchinson. And I'm so honored to be the voice in your head right now. Thank you so much. Um, I was in Sephora yesterday. I spent $833. Jesus. It was actually $572. But whatever. That's the same amount at that point. And I, I bought... You know, the beauty industry really reels you in because you walk into a Sephora and there's just so many options. There's too many. And, you know, all you do, you just want to look your best. I just want to look pretty. And I walk into Sephora and I'm like, well, these make me look pretty. And it's so overwhelming. And then and then your hand is just swatches. It's just, there's just swatches of lipstick and lip liner and eyeliner and eyebrow liner on your hand. Um, anyway, I got a lot of stuff at Sephora. Because my total was over $500. <sighs> and man, I wonder how much money women would save if we didn't buy makeup ever again. But we would look so ugly. So we'll still buy it. Um, no, just kidding. Um, no, makeup is a form of self-expression that I really enjoy. And um, when I got so many people helped me in Sephora, a lot of them were very cranky. Um, they were not having a good day. Two two of the women were just not having a good day, which I get. I get. Um, but then at the end, I was getting rung up and she's like, okay, who helped you today? And I was like, oh, fuck. And then like, trying to remember who helped you at a Sephora. First of all, if you're in a New York Sephora, it's massive. It's a maze. And there's just so many people around. And some one lady helped me with the lipstick. One lady helped me with the mascara. And I'm like, I don't, they all helped me. And I unnecessarily felt guilty for like a couple hours after that. I'm like, oh, shit. I think her name was Lisa. Fuck. Like I remembered all their names afterwards. But, um, yeah, so if you go to Sephora, just take a notepad so you can write down all the people that helped you because Sephora, instead of paying their employees a fair wage, which I mean, maybe they do. I don't make that up, but it's like, I guess they get commission or some type of something from helping a customer. Did you, how about Sephora? You just pay your employees better. The, and the tipping, I don't, you don't tip at Sephora, but it's probably coming. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, if they asked you for a gratuity at the end of that, um, we have to tip everywhere. And I was trying to look up online. Like, when do I tip? And then sometimes I feel, I'm like, I know I definitely tip now. And then I looked it up and I don't like when, when you're in Jersey and someone pumps your gas, I'm like, you got to tip that person, right? No, no, that's, but they, they deserve a tip. The, the lady at the counter at the deli that I buy my weed from every time I get rung up, they're like, do you want to tip? I'm like, no, I knew what I wanted. You didn't help me. I don't want to tip, but I do want to tip the guy pumping my gas. But then internet's like, don't tip that guy. I'm like, that poor guy. Ugh, but tipping, it's like, let's just pay people fairly. When I was in Ireland, there were so many moments where I went to restaurants. You don't tip the waiters. You don't tip them. That's insane to me. That's crazy. because it's crazy that they get paid fairly. That just blows my mind. Um, Okay. Um, do you think do you think that murderers who are in jail for murder are kind of bitter about society's obsession with murder documentaries? because if that if I was in jail for murder and then I, I'm like, all these bitches be watching these late night documentaries on murderers, and here I am sitting in a cage your your favorite film stars are locked up in cages. Um, I was thinking about that the other day, and I was also I remembered something I wanted to do for a very long time. And then I forgot about it for years because I had, you know, other shit going on because this wasn't an important thing. But now I re-remembered it and I'm going to do it. So most police departments, you can fill out an application and do a ride along. Do you know what a ride along is, Michael? hmm Have you ever done one?
1: Uh, not officially. No, I've not. <laughs> have you accidentally done one? No, but like I grew up around a lot of cops. It's oh, you kinda, did? Yeah. My, my whole, most of my whole family. Ah. Yeah, yeah.
0: So wait, if you have you ever gotten pulled over or had an interaction with the cops? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Did you pull the
1: card? Yeah, but it's not it's not always as (laughs) Uh easy as that. We don't get. I haven't gotten cards anymore since since I was vocal about my stance on Eric Gardner and things that were happening around 2014. Yeah, and how cops should murder people. I stopped getting PBA cards.
0: (laughs) Really? Yeah, yeah.
1: I haven't had one in like at least a decade
0: because you expressed. You're concerned that black people were getting murdered by the cops in front of, in broad daylight on camera. And no I got
1: heard. into a very big fight with my aunt, who was the one that kind of would give us the PBA cards. And um, I think What's we're fine. What's a PBA yeah. card? That's the card that you're talking about. PBA. Oh,
0: I was talking like a metaphorical card. Like,
1: officer, my uncle's a card. Oh, no, they you get literal cards, PBA cards. You've never heard? You don't know. You really don't know? what a PBA card is? I've never heard of a PBA card in my Yeah, life. PBA is Police, the Police Benevolence Association. They give you cards, basically. Benevolence
0: Association?
1: That's the... I think it's like an offshoot of the union. But, like, yeah, the, wow. PBA, the PBA handles, like, all of the things around the like like family matters and recreational <laughs> stuff with yeah and charity with the cops so wait what
0: can this card get you a get like it's literally a get out out of jail free card it's
1: not a get out of jail free card but like if you're if you commit a crime nothing but right. if you're if you're speeding it's sort of like a courtesy it doesn't always work like I, my dad had used them i think once or twice and i i'd seen my dad still get like a like a ticket or whatever. Oh, okay. It's not like we're out on the road being reckless, but right. It's usually Damn. like usually that's what you do when you when you get pulled over by another police well, officer. officer right? yeah. 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 You just say like, oh, I I understand, officer. I really, you know, I understand how, how hard the job is. You know, my my aunt is a is a police, <laughs> and you hand them the card. And what you're supposed to usually do is like when you hand them your license, you put the PBA card in front <laughs> of the. Hey, the I got license. a little
0: uh something something in this for you too. So Look they at have that to, stack.
1: Yeah. They have to go through the PBA card to get to your license. So, it, oh. but it doesn't, it doesn't always work, but if you'd have to be like in the policing community, you're a real scumbag. If, if it's not like a anything heinous, if it's just like you were 15 miles over the speed limit or yeah. whatever, like if it's something like that, usually you're, wow. it's like a courtesy. You to know,
0: a, most women have a PBA card.
1: The, the, right them, here. Them titties.
0: <laughs> hey officer, was I speeding? <laughs> Oh no! I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Or the other PBA card that every woman has, that again, like an actual PBA card, probably won't get you out of anything except a a minor speeding ticket, is uh, crying. Yes. Oh, you just cry and you just say you were in the middle of a fight or you just got an abortion or something, and the officer's like, "Uh, uh, uh, you could go." Sorry, ma'am. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Got him. Um, wow, that's cool. I didn't know that. Well, uh, I'm filling out an application after I come home, and I want to do a ride along. I want to sit. We can't. I can't bring. I think I guess I could bring my phone, but I can't record or anything. But don't worry, I got a recorder right up here in my brain hole. Um, I'm just so interested. I'm so interested to like see what the cops do. Other than what we see them do on the videos, which is awful things. Uh, oh, but, you're not going to
1: see anything. Like, I might. Oh, you're you mean you're you want to see what the like the day to day is like? Yeah. For, uh, oh, okay. Like, I was going to say you're not going to see you're not going to see like I I would think on oh, your ride along you're not going to see somebody get like sh- like a police officer shoot somebody in the head. I
0: hope not. <laughs> oh my god, that would be <laughs> not good. Yeah. But I do like you know it's New York City where every time every time I walk. Uh, out from the Guys Who Fuck studio, which is in the Times Square area. just sh- I always see fights or shit happening, and I'm always like, oh, man. And then the police come up. But I'm like, oh, I just think it'd be so cool to shadow a police officer for a day. It just, I just want to see, you know? And I'm going to – I looked at the application. You don't have to be a journalist. You could just do it. Yeah, you could just do it. I'm like, okay. And I guess it makes sense because the police departments are funded by tax dollars. So there you go. Um, but yeah, I'm going to do a ride along. I'm so excited. I can't wait. I hope something crazy happens, but I hope no one gets hurt. But if they do, I'm going to watch it. Um, yeah, the aliens in Miami thing, huh? Oh man, I'm still trying to figure this out. I, I, am well versed in the alien stories, as you know. And by the way, my new show is called Wait What? And I'm co-hosting with author and resident smart person, Daniel Pinchback, We are having a live premiere of our show at MCM Studios uh, on West 28th Street in Manhattan on Saturday, January 20th at 8.30 p.m. I am so excited. We are going to have author John Ronson with us. It's going to be amazing. Oh, my God. I'm so I need to calm the fuck down for this event. I'm so excited for it. And then there's going to be this man, um, David, who is an empath, and he's going to do audience readings. He's going to do readings on the audience. Um, he basically takes whatever the person is feeling, puts it in his body and then turns it into words. And I'm very excited. I love a live demo, especially with the psychic ability stuff. It's like, you should all, we should all be skeptical. Okay. And we should all require proof that this stuff exists. And some of this stuff we're just never going to get proof from, but, um, but some of it we can. So why not do a live demo for an empath reading? And I'm super excited. And hopefully we're going to have an expert on to talk about the alien thing. Because there's a lot of aliens popping up. Because aliens is real. And they're here. So we might as well say hey. And if they want somebody to abduct, holler at your girl. I volunteer as tribute. Okay? But you just have to bring me back. Because I got stuff I want to do in my life. So I don't want to, like, die. Um. But yeah, the Miami thing. Basically the rumors that were circulating or a portal opened up and a bunch of 10 foot tall gray aliens came out and then all hell broke loose in the Miami mall on January 1st. And I was like, okay. And then the cops were like, LOL, it's not an alien. Teenagers were fighting. And with everything I know, the government and I guess maybe the police department, I have no idea. The, the, the abuse that they, they use to discredit whoever sees stuff. It's very cruel. It's very cruel and it's disgusting. And it's been happening since the beginning of the alien phenomenon. The aliens basically started showing up. I mean, apparently they were here before all of this, before we were here, but they started showing up around Hiroshima when we started getting nuclear because they were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Now you fucking up our space. Don't fucking do that. And they're very well known to be seen at nuclear reacting, nuclear reactor sites. And they've shut off nuclear reactors before. And there's, a lot of testimony from military officials saying this exact thing. So you can't be like, you're full of shit, Christina. Because no, I'm not. Am I full of shit? Yeah. No, I'm not. Um, And so the police poo-pooed it, as they always do. A- a- as an official of a government always poo-poos the alien thing. It's so fucking annoying. It's like, guys, stop. It's kind of sending at this point. It's hack. It's hack, okay? And... But the but the there's all these videos on TikTok and Instagram, two camera videos of eyewitnesses, okay, saying that what they saw. And they're like, dude, it wasn't a human it was like human-like, but it wasn't human. And it was about 10 feet tall and it was fucking crazy. And I don't know. I don't I feel like you why would you make that up? I mean, I get want like the magic of the possibility of aliens, and you get so engulfed in that and you romanticize that and you just want there to be aliens. Like me. But uh there's also so many testimonies that we have, like as proof uh of people that have seen stuff that describe the exact same thing. They're 10 feet tall. They're they're either 10 feet tall or four feet tall, it seems. Um, but do you live in Florida? Have you seen aliens? Send me a video. DM it to me at Christina Hutch, K-R-Y-S-T-Y-N-A Hutch. DM it to me on Instagram. I believe you. And I love talking about this stuff because every time I talk about it to a group of people which is whatever I'm near a group of people, I'll talk about it if I can, which I do. And somebody, there's always somebody in the little group that's like, ugh, okay, I don't really tell people about this because I don't want anybody to think I'm crazy. I'm like, I don't think you're crazy. Tell me. And then they think I'm crazy. But I have this one guy who sends me videos all the time. He lives in fucking Brooklyn and he sees them all the time. Apparently, and this is according to, Alan Steinfeld, who, who wrote Making Contact, which is one of the most comprehensive books on the phenomena. There's 10 guest authors. A lot of them used to be military people. He's like, the, if you see them once, you're uh, likely you will keep seeing them over and over. Like, it's not an accident that that specific person sees them. And they're probably going to be kind of like inclined to look up just when something is in the sky. And I'm like, well, I want to be that. So why don't you pick me, Aliens. I'm a pick-me girl for aliens, and I don't care. Pick me. I want to do it. I want to see you. I'll record it. The one thing that was frustrating about the Miami thing, and a lot of the alien stuff, these the the qualities of these videos are shits, okay? I know we all have iPhones or Androids. What are the other? Nobody has a flip phone anymore. Why do these video clips look like they were taken from a freaking flip phone? Why? They don't... We, are the aliens making your... Footage grainier? I don't, maybe? I don't know. I'm open to anything. I'm open to anything. But the the video of the alleged alien or creature, whatever you want to call it, uh, walking outside, you couldn't really see it. But there were 60 cop cars outside of the Miami Mall. There are very clear videos of that. And the cops claimed that a bunch of teenagers got into a fight. They weren't sure if there's an active shooter. Do you know how many documentaries I've watched on school shootings and how, or like a synagogue shooting, or like a sh- just a shooting in America, duh, because that's where they happen, mostly. And 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 the amount of police officers that show up, yes, it's a lot, but then they get in like the counterterrorism units, and if they got hostages, they got to negotiate, but like it's never 60 cop cars, okay? Why were 60 cop cars there? Because they were aliens, okay? Was there a teenage fight? This
1: is my last word.
0: No, there wasn't. There were aliens, okay? But if you have better footage or you have any footage of UFOs or aliens, DM me, at Christina Hodge, okay? I really want to see it. Um, But yeah, come to the live premiere of Wait What on Saturday, January 20th. It's going to be amazing. There's only 80 tickets available. They're going fast. So click the link in my bio on Instagram and you should come, okay? Um, Another thing I was thinking about, just being on Instagram as much as I am, which is not that much, but it's a lot. I feel like parents are buying their child a puppy just so they could record a video of the child getting a puppy so that the parent could go viral. That seems like a trend because there's too, there's too many. You know, when I when I was a kid, you didn't just ask for a puppy and then you got it. You know, you had to prove you were responsible. I'm talking about three year old kids getting puppies. I mean, it's not their puppy. It's the parents puppy. but. I mean, and I'm like, and they always film the moment that they get the kid gets the puppy. And then they always post that on Instagram. And I'm like, methinks that your motives with giving your child a puppy are a little tainted. Am I wrong? Fight me. I don't know. Maybe I am. Um oh, that guy that I mentioned a couple episodes back. His name's Jefferson Fisher. What a great name is this guy who does all these Instagram videos. Um, he's a trial lawyer. He's some type of lawyer. And he just gives you tips on how to handle certain interactions with people. They are such tools for your tool belt. I cannot recommend this following this guy enough. Jefferson Fisher, okay? he he just He's like, how to deal with a narcissist, how to deal with somebody who's over-defensive, how to deal with somebody who's really mad. And the way he words things, I commented on his videos. And I was like, I just need to tell you that, the way you word things is in such a way that it really sinks in for me. So thank you. And then like 12 people liked it. And I'm like, thank you. Um, but uh, one of the things that he said in a video recently that I watched is uh, when you respond to I'm uh, oh, uh, when somebody tells you I'm sorry, I upset you. You know, that because that's like, I'm sorry you feel that way is basically like, fuck you. okay? fuck you. I need to watch more Jefferson's videos. But when somebody says, uh, I'm sorry, I upset you. um, You could come back and say, if this is appropriate to the situation, which I feel like it will be. Don't apologize for my feelings. Apologize for what you did. But don't move your head like this, because then it's going to make the other person think you got an attitude and they're going to be more defensive. Um, And if you can't see the video, I'm. Radically moving my head, um. But that's a good one. That's a good video. He's so hot. I haven't thought. It's annoying when you're in a relationship. You know, it's great and it's awesome and I love it as long as the person you're in a relationship with is lovely and they are. Um. But then you know, there's and having guys we fucked for ten years is a. It's a concept that we've talked about ad nauseum. Um. Uh, where you're attracted to somebody or you get crushes on somebody while you're in a relationship, which is fine. It's normal. That's healthy. It's not a big deal. Don't act on it. But that's fine. Um, And it's fun. Crushes are so fun. I have not had one crush on anybody. And I'm like, is this thing broken? What's happening? What the fuck? Why don't I have crushes? You know? Um, But I do have a crush on Jefferson Fisher. He's so hot. Um, I highly recommend you follow him. Um, Okay. So I want to read from... I I was going to do... A series on the artist way. And I'm going to do that, but I changed my mind. I'm gonna put a pause on that. <clears throat> Go put a little pin in it, okay? We're gonna put a little pin in it. Because I was listening to this audiobook. I read a chapter when Ollie was on uh by Pema Chaudron, How We Live Is How We Die. This is a great book, and I was listening to it, uh, the audio version while I was cleaning my home, smoking weed, my one of my favorite activities and i just i had to pause so many times i had to pause the audiobook so many times and just been like fuck that is exactly what i needed to hear so i want to read some some sections of this book for the next couple of weeks and then we'll get to the artist way and if you want to you know skip ahead give you homework um read the artist way now and then reread it again with me when i address it in a couple of weeks okay um but this book is great and i've done a lot of healing on my and journey and I got a lot more to go, but I feel like I got the big stuff out of the way. That's why my ayahuasca experience was kind of chill. I'm like, I raw dogged the vomiting up of the emotions and the inner terror and wanting to die uh sans ayahuasca or any drug and um, for about a year straight. So I think <clears throat> now that I got that out of the way with the parent stuff, and I feel so good about it. Also, people DM me often. To, to tell me about a situation they're going through with their parents and ask if I have any book recommendations, I do. DM me, seriously, I don't mind talking. I actually love talking about this subject because I'm on the other side of it and it feels woo, so good, but it takes a lot of work. But because I've do- gotten these big things out of the way, I'm able to kind of go get more specific with myself and get more like micromanagey with, you know, my self improvement. And so there's these little moments because my life is mostly like good. And I, my, my emotions are pretty in check. There's these little moments that I'm like, now I can focus on these. Um, and so I want to get to this, these Instagram comments that made me want to punch these people in the fucking head. Um, and why, um, they don't deserve that. Um, it's in relation to the israel palestine conflict uh the war the genocide that's happening it's so bad it's so bad and i and i i try to take in a piece of news related to what's going on there once a day and i got to be real careful cuz it's i have just been crying I mean, these videos are awful to watch like women and kids and men, just human beings getting absolutely pummeled by bombs and then collapsing in their own home and dying is awful it's so bad but i'm like why you know how do we how do we fix this and i proposed two kind of brilliant solutions on the last episode which i don't know how uh they would get implemented but hey when there's a will there's a way uh solution number one giving everybody involved in any war on this planet currently a hero's dose of ecstasy okay because you'll put the gun down number 1 cuz you'll feel like jelly and you'll feel great and uh, number 2 your your emotions will completely recalibrate and you'll probably understand that it's not worth killing people huh imagine that um but i th- but then i was going further cuz i keep thinking about this cuz every time i watch a video or whatever about about what's happening in palestine i'm like oh this is so bad dude this is so bad and awful and sad uh and i wish I think what we're missing here, and I I miss this a lot in my day to day interactions, big and small, and the of the people whose comments I'm about to read, I definitely you the old me did not do what I'm about to say you should do. Um, is you have to think of whoever, whatever subject you feel very strongly about, whether it's the the Israel Palestine fucking death trap, or if it's politics. Or if it's uh, pro-choice or pro or anti-choice, not pro-life. We're not saying that anymore. We're saying anti-choice because if you're really pro-life, you would give women um, the access to safe abortions. But we got a human – whoever you think is the enemy in your life. I want to give, give you a little thought exercise right now. Is there an issue right now that you feel that really fucking gets you heated, okay, that makes you so mad you're seething, right? Right? And think of your enemy in that situation, whoever it is, whatever the sitch is. And then take a second to humanize that enemy and to understand that they sleep just like you sleep. They dream. They probably do that thing when they fall asleep, but they feel like they're falling down a cave and they go, they jolt, you know, when they're going to bed, wherever in the world they go to bed. They wake up, they probably take a morning piss and they have a big old fart as they pee, just like you. Okay. They're human beings just like you. And I think the lack of humanizing the enemy, whoever you think that is, is a big part of our problem as a people. And it's not easy to do because the last thing you want to do because you got anger in you. Right. And you want to take that anger and you want to throw it at something. You want to use the anger to fucking hit your enemy in the head or whatever you want to do with it. But, you know, we need to humanize the people that we hate. Really, truly, truly, and I'm on one of my goals in this lifetime is I and I'm pretty good at it already i'm I'm really good at finding empathy for the most fucked up human beings on this planet because I know that no one is born evil, no one is born evil. I just I know that in my bones, okay, and you become evil because you get in your own head and your ego just takes over. but um, I think humanizing whoever you hate and realizing, you know, they go through all kinds of things. They get turned on when they don't want to get turned on, maybe, or you know, maybe, uh, maybe they have diarrhea at a very inconvenient time, and they're in the they're in line at the at the grocery store, and they get diarrhea, and then they shit their pants. We all go through these experiences, and all pain is the same, according to Oprah Winfrey, and she's right about everything. So I'm gonna say that too. Um, so yeah, one of these micro issues, <laughs> um, about these tinier things that arise, which they don't feel tiny to me, but so. It's tough being a person. It's tough being a person. End of sentence. But also, it's it's tough when you do something on a public platform. When people get mad at you for not talking about an issue, that, I want to figure out a way for that to not bother me, okay? And there's the a, a video of mine on Instagram, a recent video of mine. Somebody commented, and then two other people responded. And as I read the comment, and then I read the two responses, I was like, <sighs> But the comment was, are you planning on covering anything about the ongoing crisis of women in Palestine unable to find menstrual products, women that have nowhere to give birth, all the women's issues happening in Palestine because of the genocide? And then somebody else said um, a true feminist would speak up about issues affecting women and children all over the world, all with all for our tax dollars. And then somebody else responded to that and said, I was a loyal fucker for a decade too, a decade. This person was a loyal listener of guys for 10 years. I used to say these women practically raised me almost 100 days in to the war, I'm assuming. And I wonder who I was looking up to at such a young age all these years. It's a shame. To hell with this white feminism rubbish. Now, what I my immediate reaction to reading those comments um. Wasn't nice, okay? I wanted to, I wanted to be like, do you understand how many hours of these videos I ingest and I just cry, um, and the other places that I've talked about this stuff? But it's like, don't get defensive. That's one of my problems. I get so defensive, even when I really believe that I'm right. I get defensive, and it makes me look not right, okay? Um, and so I was trying to do, um, you know, I was, I, I wanna, I wanna frame it as like, you know what, people whose comments I just wrote. I'm not going to say your handle, but you know, if you're, if you're listening to this or watching this, you know who you are. And I'm probably going to clip this up on social media. Uh, I'm not going to tag you, but I hope you do see it. Okay. Um, you are my greatest teachers. Okay. So I want to thank you. I want to thank you for giving me a teachable moment to not be defensive and to not think bad things about you and to not want to fucking take you and go, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Do I want to? Yeah. Uh-huh. I do. I want to. I want to go, what the fuck? Um, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to. And for me, my anger is a big problem. And I try to dispel my anger with humor as often as I can. And so I just started playing um, the song Gucci Flip Flops by Bad Baby. Um, bad is spelled B-H-A-D. And baby is spelled B-H-A-B-I-E. So perhaps she pronounced it bad baby. I don't know. Um, but if you don't know who Bad Baby is, you're missing out. Um, but she was made famous on Dr. Phil in an episode about unruly teens. And she just told Dr. Phil, catch me outside. I'm going to play the audio real quick just in case. Did, did you say the, the, the hoes are laughing? Yep. So the She's audience just... are a bunch of hoes. Yep. <laughs> catch me outside. How about that? Catch How about that? Outside? What does that mean? What I just said. What what an attitude, huh? Uh, I love it, love that baby. But she has a song called Gucci Flip Flops, and so I just put it on. I was I got really heated over those comments, and I started going, but I did this and this, and it's like, Mm-mm-mm. we're gonna we're gonna pivot, and we're gonna put on Bad Baby's Gucci Flip Flops on your speaker, and we're gonna we're gonna scream the words out loud because the song's fucking ridiculous. I love it. It's fucking ridiculous. Okay, um, and then I just kept saying. I know why these bitches mad because they trash and they fucking for cash. Okay. That's what I just kept saying in my head. All these bitches mad because they trash and they fucking for cash. Now hold my beer as I cover all my bases here. Um, I don't think the people that left these comments are trash in any way. Okay. I feel like I'm to say that. And I also don't think it's trash to fuck for cash. I just think it's very smart. And it makes me think of when I was in my twenties and I just fucked for free. And I wish I did it for cash. Cause I was fucking trash. um, but you know, we live and we learn. Anyway, um, yeah. So, so what I wanted to read, uh, in Pema Chodron's "How We Live Is How We Die," mm-hmm. um, is just some excerpts from uh three chapters, and oh, it's so good. Where are we at? Twenty nine minutes? Thirty. Oh my god, I'm psychic. Okay, so I'm gonna skip around, but this is a great book, and I highly recommend you get it. If you want to experience heaven, which I do, work with your thoughts and emotions. Okay. If you want to avoid hell, definitely want to do that. Work with your thoughts and emotions. It's like that. Therefore, in the next several chapters, I will give you some practice instructions on how to connect skillfully and compassionately with our habitual patterns and emotions. Okay? So that you don't comment back and say, These bitches are trash and they're fucking for cash. You take a second and you go, I notice there's some anger that I'm feeling. And then you deal with it instead of spewing it onto other people that don't deserve it. Say you have a propensity to feel inadequate. (laughs) Who would have that? Especially about your work. (laughs) You're in the office talking to two coworkers and your supervisor barges in and says, you people did a lousy job. I would be like, are you from the 20s? You did a lousy job, putz. Um, The supervisor is actually criticizing all three of you, but you're the only one with the strong propensity to take it personally. So you feel totally wretched as if it's all your fault. Oh, been there, my friends, been there. There's already a long history behind your propensity. That's very true. It's very important to consider. And the supervisor's comment seems to add to the evidence against you. Now you go into full familiar storyline. I never get it right. I'm worthless. I'm hopeless. I always blow it. That's honestly nice compared to this shit, I think. You experience yourself as a loser. Loser. And, uh, and beneath all of these concepts is a horribly unpleasant emotion that you would do anything to get rid of. Like smoke weed. Uh, in this scenario, it might seem like the cause of your suffering is your supervisor's words. However, the words are only the trigger. The actual cause is your pre-existing propensity. It's important to mention here that the point of saying this isn't to blame the victim. All three of you agree that the supervisor's words were mean-spirited and insensitive because she's a bitch. But at the same time, it's important to see the full picture of what's going on, which is so hard to do. Your propensity to feel inadequate was already a recurring theme in your life. Uh-huh. Hearing you, hearing you did a lousy job was the trigger that provided the right conditions for it to fully merge. And that's the thing with the internet comments that I just read to you about like, wow, I looked up for you for for 10 years, but because you didn't address this now, I'm like so disappointed in your wife, feminism, whatever. That's a trigger. That's a trigger. Okay. And that triggers my inadequacy of just trying to be fucking perfect all the time. That's why I go to Sephora and buy all the shades of lipstick because they don't know which one's going to make me look the best. It's like a uh, Crocus bulb that lies dormant under the earth for much of the year and in the spring with the right causes and conditions suddenly comes out a brilliant flower in this example the two other people receiving criticism have completely different experiences because of their own propensities and that's why i say guys your reactions are a result of every second of your life and how you've interpreted your life from the moment you left your mother's womb till the thing happened till now And when you consider that, yeah, everyone's going to react to shit a little differently. Okay, one of them has a propensity to get furious and take action. So he marches off to the supervisor in a towering rage. That'd be me. Prints up some banners and gets a whole gang of people to sign a petition. Ooh, petty. I love it. The third person doesn't get triggered in any defensive way. Mm, She's an alien, but she still acts based on her own propensity. Her go to response in any uncomfortable work situation is to become the peacemaker. So she acknowledges the supervisor's speech was unskillful and encourages the whole group to take part in a workshop in effective and nonviolent communication. All right, well, that's a little dumb. That's uh, no, probably not dumb, but I'm just rolling my eyes. When I look back on what the Karumpa told my children, I now think he meant something along these lines. When you die, all that you take with you is your propensities. Ooh, I love that for us. And with that came some powerful unspoken advice. So you better take good care of your propensities now while you still have the time. I mean, goddamn Pema. We already have ample experience with the trouble uh, our propensities cause in our current lifetime. I should say so. Example for me, fucking road rage. One time I tapped a car with my car on purpose because he was trying to get over and I already let someone over. And we agreed that it was a one-on-one merge, every other car. And this motherfucker had somewhere to be that was more important than me. And he thinks I'm a weak piece of shit. I'll just let him through. And so I didn't. And I hit his car with my car and he got very mad. Our unhelpful thought patterns and self-destructive emotional habits have undermined us repeatedly. Uh Uh-huh. You don't say. Not only do our propensities disturb us internally, oh boy, do they, but they also manifest as difficult outer situations. Mm, mm, mm. Some people always have a problem with their boss. No matter how many jobs change, they consistently find themselves in the same uncomfortable situations. Don't, I mean, that's definitely happened to me, but I also see it, it's more profound when I see it happen to friends where you're like, dude, you just, you just, Every, like, like dating, that's where a lot of it happens. And every partner you meet is a certain way, like, like in a bad way. And you're like, damn, Sarah can't catch a fucking break. But really, Sarah's got to do the inner work to go, why am I attracting this kind of person? It's tough. It's tough to do that. Some people have problems with intimacy in relationships. No matter who they date, their intimacy issues persist. The actors change, the movie set changes, but the basic drama remains the same. This is because our propensities are the authors of the script. P.U. something stinks. Another thing about these propensities is that they don't stop by themselves. We have to recognize them when they arise and not be so predictable. Oh, I love that. I love that phrase. Just don't don't be a hack piece of shit. And how about you react differently? You know, over and over again, we have to find our way to do something different. If not, they will follow us for the rest of the day. Of our goddamn lives. I added that part. We can go even further and say they'll follow us beyond this life, through the bardos and into our next life, writing scene after scene after scene. They will create the outer and inner circumstances of our next moment, our next day, our next life, and all our lives to come. Boy, that sounds miserable as hell, huh? The other side of the coin is that because of the strong interconnected relationship between our mind and our world, we will often find that changing mental and emotional habits has a powerful effect on our outer experience. I mean, sign me up for that. It seems like a miracle, but it's quite simple and straightforward if you think about it. If you work with your propensity to get jealous, which I I have that. Oh boy, do I have that. We all have that. It will seem like there are fewer and fewer people to envy. If you work with your propensity for anger, also have that. Boy, I have that. People won't make you so mad. So how do we take care of our propensities? We get to know them with kindness and intelligence. We acknowledge how powerful they are, but we don't make them the enemy. One of my teachers calls them our beautiful monsters. And that's cute as hell. The Dharma tells us that all our experiences of discomfort, anxiety, being disturbed, and being bothered are rooted in kleshas. The Sanskrit term meaning destructive emotions. Or pain-causing emotions. These three main, The three main clashes are craving, check, aggression, check, check, and ignorance. I mean, I gotta be ignorant to something. I just don't know what it is. Um, the first two don't require much explanation. Craving becomes a destructive emotion when it comes to the point of being an addiction or an obsession. I was once given some Asian candy whose brand name was Baby Want Want. <laughs> That's so funny. Baby Want Want. That sums up craving quite nicely i think we uh we think something will bring us pleasure or comfort like a freaking great shade of lipstick at Sephora so we become obsessed with having it or keeping it aggression is the opposite we want to get rid of something that we perceive as a threat to our well-being ignorance is a destructive emotion uh, it's a little harder to understand it's a dull indifference of mind that actually contains a deep level of pain that's really interesting because you never think of ignorant people as having a deep level of pain but Everyone kind of has a deep level of pain, so that makes sense. It can express itself as being out of touch, for goddamn sure, being mentally lethargic, not caring what we're feeling or what others are going through. When this state of mind dominates us, it turns into depression. These three clashes are often called the three poisons because as Anam, somebody says, I don't want to butcher it, they kill our happiness. They often, uh, that often happens to us in two ways. First, we suffer while we experience anger, addiction, depression, jealousy, and the rest. Then we continue to suffer as a result of the harmful actions they provoke. Yeah, that sucks. Because when I get road rage, you know what the worst thing is? If you're the, Usually if there's somebody in the car with me, I won't rage because I'm embarrassed, which is awesome. But if it's like my boyfriend, I'm too comfortable. I don't get embarrassed in front of him. So I'll rage. I don't like that. And, you know if he'll say something like, which rightfully so, he'll be like, hey, don't ask, like if somebody's being a dick to him while he's driving and I'm in the passenger seat, I want to fucking cash, cash me outside, bitch. Cash me outside, let's go. Also, I'm noticing in the camera, I kind of look like bad baby today, um, accidentally. But, um, and then like the other day, we were going to a party, a baby shower party, a baby shower, and it was kind of a party. And we were driving and this truck, there's this giant truck behind us, he was driving. That's the important part. There was a giant truck behind us, and they kept honking and honking because he wouldn't run the red light. And I went, I was what I was gonna do was I was gonna I went to remove my seatbelt and I wanted to stand outside my vehicle momentarily to just give him a look. That's it. All I wanted to do was go. And maybe I'll add one of these. Like I see you, motherfucker. I wasn't gonna say anything. But in my head, I was going to say, I know why these bitches mad because they trash and they fucking for cash. But I was just going to give him a look. That's it. Because he was really pissing me off. And my boyfriend was like, don't, Christina. And that, oh, I don't know what what is lying underneath the belly of that beast for me. But it's something because I was like, don't ever tell me what to do. And I got real mad real fast. And I was like, (gasps) oh, no, sorry. I didn't mean to do that. But I didn't say sorry out loud. I said it in my head. Oops. I got to apologize him for that. But um but yeah. So anyway, that brings me to the first step to courage. The first step to courage according to Pema Shodron is refraining. That that's my goal for 2024. I want to talk less and listen more. It's hard to do on a solo podcast. But I also want to refrain. I want to refrain from reacting. I want to refrain from indulging. I just want to refrain. I'm not used to that. I don't ever ever refrain i don't think i've ever i'm sure i've refrained once or twice or a couple times i don't refrain from stuff that's one of my problems if i'm sitting at home getting work done and i'm like this is boring i think i should rent a drum studio space and go drum do drum rehearsal or i'm like i think i need new pants i'm gonna buy new usually i'll buy something it's awful um so i got i want to try to refrain from that okay the true cause of our unhappiness is not outside but inside oopsies It's all up in here. It's all right there. Our propensities and negative emotions are what ruin our days, not our supervisor or our nemesis. I'm going to read that sentence again for the people in the back. Our propensities and negative emotions are what ruin our days, not our supervisor or our nemesis or the guy in the truck behind you honking like a piece of shit. Okay? As is taught again and again, As long as the poisons of the kleshas remain in our mind, we will not find happiness anywhere in the world. The Buddha taught three main methods for working constructively with our kleshas, which I think of as three steps to courage. He presented them in order of increasing subtlety and profoundness. The first is refraining from reacting. And I mean, this is probably the hardest thing in the world for me to refrain from reacting is so I'm such an overreactor to everything. Good, bad, neutral. I overreact to neutral stuff because I'm just like, it's so neutral. You know, there is a video of my friend group in high school where we were all doing impressions of each other and kind of roasting us, roasting each other. And when it came to my turn to be roasted, my one friend was like, ow, the Eiffel Tower just fell in my eye. And I was like, "Ah, that's fucking hilarious because that's very accurate. I overreact to everything. Um, okay. The first is refraining from reacting. This is based in the sense that there is something negative about the emotion. So we should do whatever we can to avoid making things worse. With the second method, transforming the clashes into love and compassion, we adopt a positive view of the emotions. If we use them in the right way, they bring benefit rather than harm. I mean, sign me up for that. The third method is using the emotions as a direct path of awakening. And this is the one that's very intriguing. Here, we transcend the duality of good and bad and let the emotions be just as they are. I found that the teachings of refraining from reacting can be very unpopular. Yeah, no shit, because we're in America and we react to everything, so fuck you. Once I was giving a talk on this topic and an old friend raised his hand and was clearly upset. He said, you shouldn't teach this stuff. It's like putting a lid on our feelings. Trungpa Rinpoche would never have taught us this. Leaving aside that I actually received these teachings from Trungpa Rinpoche, which I mean, if that was me, first of all, Pema, good on you for not saying that. What a shining example of refraining, because I would have been like, "Oh, really? You don't think he would have done that?" Because he's the one who taught me that. You piece of shit. I realized then that it's important to present refraining in a positive light, to present it as an important step towards tapping into the wisdom of emotions, an essential step towards experiencing emotions as a direct path of awakening. My brother used to tell me, whenever you feel hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, halt, H-A-L-T, hungry, H, angry, A, lonely, L, or tired, T, halt, motherfucker. Uh, They should add horny, but maybe in another version. There's an instruction on refraining. Instead of barreling ahead and reverting to old patterns of blaming or judging or otherwise avoiding what we're feeling, we allow space. When we slow down, uh, we slow down the reactivity. Often I teach the practice of refraining. People like my friend ask questions to be sure I'm not encouraging them to hide or run away from their problems, which, I mean, encourage me to do that all the time. I do it anyway. Uh, We're so used to everyone acting and speaking out that if we refrain from doing so, we may feel like we're avoiding things that we need to face, especially in the day of social media. Oh my God. It's like, oh, everybody needs to know what I think about this issue. No, we don't. We don't, we don't, okay? We don't, but the point of keeping our mouths shut isn't to duck out of the heated situation. The point is to give ourselves the time and support to feel what we feel and interrupt the storyline. Ooh, I love that, interrupt the storyline. Mm, mm, mm. How we look at things makes all the difference. If we approach refraining as a means of shutting down, it can easily turn into that. But if we reproach it, As a way of opening up and becoming more allowing of whatever arises, then this practice will serve us well. In his emotional rescue book, um, the author calls this a mindful gap. I'm not going to read the name of the author because I cannot pronounce it. And I don't want to butcher it. And I didn't Google the pronunciation before I got here. And I apologize. Mm -hmm. It's as if we step back and become more present and awake to what's happening. We allow some space, some mindful space, embodied, present, and kind. and then. The practice of halting and refraining is the most basic way of working with our clashes. Don't speak. Don't act. Get in touch with what we're feeling. It's the first method we need because when we perpetuate our storylines or act out, we don't have the mental space to apply the other two practices, transforming the emotions and using them as a direct path of awakening. People often want to skip the first stage, but that is doomed to backfire. As Ken McLeod says in Reflections on Silver River, it is often unthinkably frightening to experience what goes on inside of you. If you wish to be free, however, you have no choice. I mean... Great work. Great work, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go smoke, read, and ride a bicycle home as I listen to Beyonce in my headphones. Thank you for being here. Thank you for allowing me to be the voice in your head. And if you have screenshots of fuckboy theater conversations, DM them to me at Christina Hutch. Or if you have any alien or ghost stories, or if you have any videos of aliens or ghosts, definitely DM me at Christina Hutch. And uh, sign up for my Patreon. I, I host group Zoom therapy four times a month and uh, patreon.com slash Christina Hutchinson. I got to say, I'm pretty good at the advice thing. And I encourage everybody every time to take everything I say. And and if anybody else has things to say in these Zooms, you take it with a grain of salt, okay? Take everything with a grain of salt. If it resonates with you, awesome. If it doesn't, throw it right in the trash. Because these bitches mad because they trash and they're fucking for cash, okay? Um, So thank you so much. Congrats on not killing yourself. I'll talk to you next Monday.